This is the Daily Dispatch podcast with your business correspondent, Ted Keenan. This morning, Daily Dispatch podcast is talking to Peter McNaughton, who's the operations director of the Calston Group. While Calston is mainly situated in the western half of the Eastern Cape, you've got some good news for the eastern half of the Eastern Cape with your new franchise. Yeah, thanks very much, Ted. Yeah, uh, Kelsey Motor Group has been around since 2021, I mean, sorry, since uh, 2000, and we have 17 unique sites around the Eastern Cape, and it's London for us is the final frontier of the Eastern Cape, so we're very excited to be opening and launching with a Terry brand in East London, and we very hopeful that we will do well in the area and get involved in the community and establish ourselves. Peter, there's a big debate going on amongst average South Africans as to whether you should be buying a new car or whether you should be buying a pre-owned, lovingly cared car. What advice would you give to the average South African who does have budget constraints and will be probably buying a car via higher purchase? For me, the, the, the difference between you and use would be a, a very personal choice. And I think the most important thing would be first to determine the needs that you are wanting from a motor vehicle. With the advancements in things like warranty extensions, service plan extensions, maintenance plan extensions, you are able to extend the insurance concept of a used vehicle, um, which was possibly the primary driver to buy a new vehicle. Um, but I think the most important thing that I can say is to rather buy a car with your mind and not your heart. We all love fancy cars with fancy spec and fancy sunnies and all these different things. But I think it's very important to determine your needs and then to buy a vehicle that you see you value it. And that will take care of you over the long term. And I think one of the most important things specifically on the South African roads is to consider the safety of the vehicles. And, and when you're putting your family and your extended family and traveling long distances, that is a very, very important part of purchasing a motor vehicle, which is often overlooked. We sit in South Africa right now with 11 million vehicles on the road, of which with an average age of 10 years. Some countries have a maximum vehicle age at which they must be scrapped. Would this be practical in South Africa? And could it, and I'm asking you to crystal ball here, could it be possible yeah. for government to simply pass a rule of that nature? I think it would be very tough for the government to, to do that at this stage unless they formulated some kind of assistance uh, when you would scrap a vehicle um, of an older age. Um, South Africa has obviously got a very rural nature and we travel vast distances. Uh, we have our safety concerns and our public transport system is possibly not as equipped as, as other countries, which basically forces people to buy motor vehicles. And if your economic status is not that of someone that can purchase a new vehicle or a younger vehicle, for want of a better word, um, it would be very unfair to, to, to force that um, economic hardship onto some people that uh, you kind of removing it from the market, which I would think would be quite unfair. But if the government would be able to assist, I think it would be great for local manufacturing, great for jobs, and obviously improve the safety on the roads. Um, with so many new brands, many of them imported, South African owners are spoiled for choice, and I know that your company has a number of very popular brands. However, should there be a move towards buy South Africa, and in fact, 
impose probably greater import tariffs and thereby driving up the cost of imported vehicles. I know this is also crystal balling, what is it, but what are your thoughts on this? For me, I think it's, um, you know, my heart, I'm a South African, so I'd love to say yes, it'd be great. You know, let's, let's, let's build our local manufacturing and let's, let's develop. Um, but I think it would be very limiting in the fact that a large, I think a large portion of the population looks at a brand um, that produces vehicles locally and thinks that all vehicles or all models that come out of that factory are built in South Africa, where actually it's only very specific models. So if we had to push that down the consumer's throat, I think you would start seeing, we'd limit our, our purchasing opportunities, the models that we are able to obtain. And, and secondly, I think it's, it's, there are already um, very high import taxes and duties on, on new vehicles coming to South Africa, and I, I don't think we can ignore that contribution to the fiscus. And uh, yes, ideally, it would be great to only have SA manufactured vehicles, but I think it would be pretty onerous to, to put that onto consumers over the long term. Quite a few years ago, it was considered just the norm that, especially with the big fleet owners where uh, directors, managers, every rep had a motor car, to repurchase a car every 100,000 kilometers and or three years. I would imagine as somebody that supplies the fleets now, this practice has gone, gone out the window? Yes, we, we are definitely seeing vehicles um, getting older in age and doing higher mileage. Um, specifically in the Eastern Cape, we, we have vehicles that are, I would say, are younger or older in age with lower mileage versus your Joburgs and Cape Towns because of the distances that they drive. Um, and I think COVID has also had a huge impact on this. People just aren't driving as much as they used to. Um, so we are seeing older year or older year in time, age of vehicles, but less mileage. But right now we're seeing uh, trainings at, at the region about 150 to 160,000 kilometers. So there has definitely been a considerable increase um, in, in the age of vehicles and what we are seeing on the road today. With the trade-in aspect and your earlier statement of buy a vehicle with your head, not your heart, if somebody is looking at buying a vehicle, what sort of financial exercises should they be doing as uh, what springs to mind is look at what your repairs are costing you as opposed to what your payback on a new vehicle would cost you and what you would then get for a trade-in. Yes. Can you comment on that, please? Yes, I think it's, it, it goes, it's very important to consider the long-term aspect of owning a motor vehicle and not just the purchase price. Um, the purchase price in, in the life of the car is, is actually fairly small, and we refer to a, a statement as cost of ownership. Um, and I think often when people are purchasing vehicles, they just, just at the price of the vehicle, and they go, sure, that vehicle is really, really expensive. How can they justify the price? And if I drive it for three years, it's, it's, going, to, it's going to cost me a lot of money. But I think the important thing is to consider if you decide on owning a vehicle for three years or five-year periods, is to work out actually what that full cost of ownership is. And that's important to when you consider things like the trading value. So you might buy a more well-known brand that costs you more money, but in that three or four-year period, however long you, you want to own the car, the actual cost of owning that car is a lot less than buying possibly a cheaper car that's trading value will not be as good. And secondly is obviously the brakes, the services, the maintenance costs, the fuel costs, the insurance costs of such vehicles. And that's when I say to use your mind, you 
you've got to kind of consider every single aspect when, you, when you're making a decision on a car. Okay, and a final question. Uh, vehicle manufacturers throughout the world are not only looking at electric vehicles, but they are supplying electric vehicles. Tesla, the fastest growing brand. Are you chaps looking at electric vehicles? Yes, I think it would be foolhardy not to be looking at it. Um, I read an article this morning with four and a half million electric vehicles running around China. It's definitely coming our way. The, the latest projections we've heard is, is, is for the South African market is a 2035 shift um, or sort of a 20% shift to electric vehicles. Um, South Africa is obviously unique um, when compared to places like Europe and China and, and those countries. But it is, it is going to be a factor. It is something that we're considering. Um, I don't think it's anything we can run away from it. Um, it is quite scary for us in the fact that these vehicles, electric vehicles, the maintenance of them is, is not as onerous as a combustion engine vehicle, um, which will have a huge impact on, on employment in our dealerships um, in things like technicians, uh, service advisors, parts distribution, all of those aspects. So that is quite concerning for us, um, but we have to adapt with the market and move with it. Um, we don't, we can't hide from this, and, and it is coming, and we are definitely preparing ourselves for it. Thank you very much for that. Thank you for your views, and we look forward to seeing your brand flying in East London. Electric cars is a contentious issue. Somebody who's really plugged into the system is Winston Jordan of Grid Cars. Winston has a network throughout South Africa. Winston, in your opinion, there's no doubt about electric cars very shortly dominating the space. Absolutely. I think you know, we're going to see this change so quickly. And what people must remember is this change is not happening because people think it's cool out here. It's happening because the technology is better. It's better, it's cheaper, it's cleaner, it's more efficient, it's easier for you to produce your energy at your own home. You don't need to be reliant on fuel stations. So these are the drivers of that industry. And what we're going to see is we're going to see that shift in Europe already. We've seen countries where 30, 40, 50% of the vehicles and the new vehicles are already electric. So it's very, very likely that within the next eight years, six years maybe, we're going to see Europeans switch predominantly to electric predominantly meaning 90 or 95%. And when that happens, the availability of electric vehicles, so you won't have petrol vehicles available because people build to the big markets. They don't build to a small market like South Africa. So what's going to happen is we're going to either see the dumping of fossil fuel vehicles here, which is what we don't want because then we get the last of the bad vehicles, or we're going to have to shift very, very quickly at that time. So as we approach 2030, there'll be much, much more pressure in South Africa for us to switch to electric and the pressure will come from the customer because the solution is better and it's cheaper and, and better in every way. And also from the manufacturers where they just simply can't supply petrol vehicles that people may un, unwittingly still want. <laughs> the, 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 the stats that you're talking about seem to be backed up by companies like uh, Mercedes-Benz South Africa and you are in fact an <laughs> East London man so you know them quite well. Yeah. They are already looking at changing all of the lines, and in fact, a lot of companies have changed the lines. There's Tesla. If we yeah. don't go electric, what are the consequences as far as banning our imports and that go? Look, I don't think we're going to get to the point of banning imports. I think there'll just be no need to import it, because if you import 
if you're an OEM and you import, you're going to have a stranded asset. You're going to have an asset in there that nobody wants to buy, or you're going to have to sell it at less than cost to get rid of it. What's going to, the demand will drive what that is. So I honestly don't think we'll get to the point of banning. I think we're just going to get to the point where people are going to be buying new cars and saying, I want electric. I don't want a petrol vehicle because a petrol vehicle costs me more money. It's more difficult to maintain it. Uh, all of those things that we find undesirable about vehicles are not within the electric vehicle space. So the changes that we're going to see, without a doubt, there's going to be, and I don't like to say there'll be job losses, there'll be job shifts, there'll be changes in jobs. So there's certain jobs that will fall away, but there's a whole bunch of new jobs that will come up and people will shift in those industries into those new spaces and start to work in those new types of environments and those new things. And I think Mercedes-Benz and Newfoundland must be going through it right now because they're already producing electric and hybrid vehicles from that plant. So they must be seeing those sort of training shifts and how they've got to be moving people into newer skills or different skills, not more difficult or anything like that, just something different. From the retail side, and we have spoken to retailers, it's not going to be that much of a threat for them. I mean, already we've had a massive expansion of brands in South Africa, and electric vehicles will be simply another brand from the same yeah, from the same supplier. So, so maybe just another model, if you wouldn't look at it like that. I think what's going to change for the for the retail networks is certainly the product you're selling is very different. So it's a more technical sale. There's a lot more understanding that's necessary. But they'll get into it very, very quickly. What we'll also see is a change to what the workshop environment looks like because there'll be a lot less greasy, dirty work and a lot more clean but high-voltage work. So you'll, you'll have a slightly different approach within your, your working environments. Um, I think the one risk that dealerships sit with is going to be the, the risk of stranded assets. So in other words, if they don't get rid of petrol cards at the right time and phase them out, they could get caught with a nice big batch of stock which they can't sell and but nobody wants to buy. And that can really hurt a business. So what we're seeing is a lot of the dealerships networks that we are consulting with and discussing this with, it's really about trying to pick that time. You want to respond slightly early. So in other words, rather be seen as, oh, but why don't you have petrol cars and you're saying, no, we're moving to electric as opposed to being, oh, sure, but we've got a whole bunch of petrol cars that to buy, we can't get rid of those, and that's going to cost our business. So we are, it's really about trying to position and understand that and determine when did that break point come. Because over the next 10 years, we will see many, many businesses getting it wrong, and we'll see many of them getting it right. And I think that's the key. Retailers need to get themselves on the right side of this. Last question we've got for you today, Winston, is the... Fuel retailers are going to be under threat, but you have said they don't necessarily have to be under threat. They just change their model. Um, and instead of just having a fuel station, you'll have a fuel station with a retail center all the way around it. People can pop in, 20 minutes to charge their car, go in and do their shopping and drive out, killing two birds with one stone. So what we've seen, and again, you know, this is not something when I said seen, we're not seeing it from distance, we've seen it from working inside these environments with the fuel retailers and also with the service stations themselves. And they all understand what's coming. There's a couple of things. Where we tell you new vehicles will change by 2030, that doesn't mean the fleet will change by 2030. So there'll still be a lot of old cars in the market. So 
for the fuel retailers, the, the pivot point, let's see, if you're looking at a, a vehicle retailer, the pivot point is the 420 setting. So I think is already going to have to be making very tough decisions about transition. The fuel retailers will only have to start thinking about that in 2040 or 2045 maybe, because we, we'll have a much longer time for the whole fleet itself to change. So they've got a little bit more time on their side, but at the same time, they do understand energy. They've also got prime locations, and those locations we've just evolved. I mean, to take 20 years to evolve a filling station to something different. I always use the example, I grew up in London, and in the Cambridge area, and was a little mobile, um, not mobile, mobile um, filling station there. And I'm pretty sure that filling station, if ever it still existed, would look totally different today. It would look like, you know, it will have shops around it, there will be a whole bunch of things, whereas when I was there, it was just like, it is the tires, you change your wheel, you get your petrol finished. And I think that's the point, is the fuel stations have already evolved over time, and those evolutions are just going to happen again. We're just going to see over the next 20 years how they evolve towards fitting a model that works for charging and for charging the vehicles. And we've seen lots of the filling stations doing it already. So across the country, there's one of the least filling stations that have already installed fast charging systems that are capable of charging vehicles and are starting to transition their business models towards that. Thank you for your time, Winston. Yeah. Have a good day. Goodbye. Thank you.